Welcome to Bombs and Barrels, a podcast that explores the inspiring stories of veterans and surfers who have been transformed through the power of surfing and the ocean. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Lance Yonker, and this is Bombs and Barrels. Today, my guest is Ash Legion. Her story is one of total transformation. Not long ago, she was depressed to the point of not wanting to get out of bed and just wanted to die. Now, after finding surfing, she is a completely new person. Her drive and passion for life and the ocean is absolutely contagious. She is currently on a mission to surf every day for a year. Ash is a total badass. But to completely understand this transformation, we have to start her story from the beginning. Ash Legion grew up in Los Angeles, California, and she was homeschooled until about junior year of high school. She wasn't really feeling that either and decided to do independent study. This allowed her to start working and pursue her dream of becoming a Marine. My first question to her was, what on earth possessed her to want to become a Marine? So what really encouraged me to go into the military uh, was not only like the, like the Marine Corps advertising, which, which totally got me. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's the best of all the wanted, branches. Dude. Oh, well, it definitely is. But yeah. like for a long time, I really wanted to be in the air force because of um, Stargate SG one. Oh yeah. Um, I thought like Samantha Carter was such a badass, and um, I I I was like I want to go to the Air Force Academy and I want to fly the Raptor because aviation is cool. And um, I joined a program called Civil Air Patrol when I was like fourteen or fifteen, and um, it's kind of like like the Air Force's version of like the Young Marines or totally. or J. Rossi, Sea Cadets, stuff like that. And um, I had a great time. Like I really loved that program. It did a lot for me, and it gave me a lot of uh, role models that I just didn't have at home. So um, I I was really inspired by a lot of those people. Um, and then uh, I watched Making Marines at Paris Island on the military channel. It's like a three hour special. And I was, I don't know if you, have you seen that? Like it, it's fucking awesome. It was like, <laughs> it, it was so intense and it, and it really captured Paris Island. I, at least I thought really well. And I was just like, I want to do that. I, I can do that. Like, I want to be challenged. Like, and if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be the fucking best. Yeah. And, uh, and being, so I was um, really up by- being from California, did you go to Paris Island or did you go to MCRD? I went to, oh, so there's two MCRDs, right? Okay. There's MCRD San Diego, MCRD Paris Island. Yeah. And if you have a vagina, you go to MCRD Paris Island. No And way. if you don't have a vagina and you live east of, or if you live west of the Mississippi, you go to MCRD San Diego. If you live east of the Mississippi, you go to Paris Island. But I, I just read recently that they are like talking about shutting down Paris Island and like just sending everybody to San Diego to wow. combine all the training for co-ed. I don't know if that's going to be a thing but anywho crazy uh, i didn't know that i had no idea so yeah um oh there's only one fourth battalion and that's the all-female training recruit battalion 
And uh, yeah, that's only a Paris Island. Well, look at that. You learn something new every day. After watching Paris, uh, Making Marines of Paris Island, I, I, I told my, my parents that day, I was like, I'm joining the Marine Corps. I'll, I'll do my enlisted time and then I'll go MESEP and I'll fly. I can fly for the Marines. Like, like that's, that was my goal. That's what I wanted. And like, I'm fucking doing it. And they agreed to sign the papers when I was 17. And um, I moved out shortly after. Um, but I didn't, I was in the delayed entry program for like a year. Okay, and same here. Uh, it was after I left my parents' house, I had like the best time, like prior to leaving. and. Um, kind of like gave me a little bit more independence. I initially got uh, an open contract um, and my recruiter called me one day and was like, uh, you know, hey, Intel just became available. Do you want it? And I was like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means. And um, he talked me into it. He was like, you know, I'm not really sure what Intel does, but I know that you can make a lot of money afterwards, after the military. And um, it has, it's something like Jason Bourne stuff. It's really fun. And I'm like, all right, well, that could be cool. Marine commercials and a recruiter telling you you're going to become Jason Bourne? How does anyone not become a Marine? Well, after boot camp, Ash went to her infantry training, and then she went to her MOS intel training. You know, the training that turns you into Jason Bourne. Yeah, that's, that's how it happens. You transform into Jason Bourne afterwards. Then she got her orders to report to her unit. I got to the fleet, uh, Yuma, Arizona. I, I was really excited to have orders to like an aviation unit. And um, nice. because I, I wanted to be involved in aviation, you know, I still had my plan of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my enlisted time and then go and fly. Um, and then I went on my first deployment with uh, a Harrier squadron. And I was like, it, it totally like just it ruined my like that motivation that I had and like that like oh my god Marines are the best and like I am yeah. a part of the elite fighting force and I had so much pride yeah so yeah much, um motivation that was just blinded by my like I don't know what they teach you at Paris Island you know totally, like totally. Marines don't lie cheat or steal Marines have you know it, it's they tell you all that romantic stuff and not that yep. the romantic stuff doesn't exist it just doesn't exist day to day. No. It doesn't exist at, at the, these units. It exists in like individual people that are good. And um, and during Marine Corps birthday ball season where it's like everybody's like super stoked and in really good moods because we all get to drink together and it's cool. Um, nice. Basically, before before I even went on my first deployment, I think my, my motivation was kind of ruined. Um, uh, just you kind of see how Marines like act in leadership acts and how pilots treat their Marines and um, how it's like a, I don't know. It's not what they tell you at Paris Island. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. And then um, in November, 2010, before I went on my first deployment, before I went on the Mew, um, I was sexually assaulted by uh, another Marine. And that, like, I didn't realize, like, how much that was going to affect the rest of my life then. Um, I just filed a restricted report because, you know, I watched other women in the units around me be like, 
hey, this happened and file unrestricted reports. And then they were like ostracized. Uh. Their lives were miserable. And it was like, I had no, I didn't want anything to do with that. I was still like new to a unit. Like I didn't want, I didn't want to be that person. And, you know, so I just was like restricted. I won't say anything to anybody. Go on with life. And um, so I just did what everybody else was doing and I just drank it down. I have to stop here for a second because this is an issue that very few recognize, even fewer talk about, and still even fewer are doing anything to stop it. Sexual assault and military sexual trauma, or MST, are pervasive issues in the military today. It has affected veterans of all eras and across all branches. And you might think that it is getting better with more media coverage and awareness on the subject, but the DOD's own statistics prove otherwise. The most recent statistics come from fiscal year 2018, where 20,500 service members were sexually assaulted or raped. This includes 13,000 women and 7,500 men. But there have been many who criticize these numbers and say they're far too low. And the DOD has a statistic that over 76% of cases go unreported, and this might prove their point. There's been talk of trying to find what the actual numbers are, but I honestly think that less effort should be taken to find the right numbers, and more effort should be taken to try and reverse this cultural sickness that has infected not only our military, but our society as a whole. At least one in four women in the military are sexually assaulted. One in six women in America are assaulted as well. Something is really wrong, and the current system isn't working. The DOD also stated in 2018 that unrestricted reports of sexual assault increased by 22% since 2015. However, convictions have plummeted over 60%. This comes out to be 2.4% of offenders are actually convicted. What on earth is going on? This issue is personal to me. My mom was raped at 16 by the high school quarterback. And since becoming a father to a beautiful little girl, stories like Ash Legion's and so many others like her absolutely crush me and the repercussions for the victims is lifelong and can affect every aspect of their lives women who have faced mst are over twice as likely to become homeless their risk for depression and suicide dramatically increases well and the list goes on and on and i think what's particularly crushing for me when i hear ash legion's story As I see the image of a young woman who is passionate and who cannot wait to become a Marine and to serve her country, and her welcome present when she gets to her unit is sexual assault. How crushing of a letdown is that? After being sexually assaulted, Ash had five more years left on her contract. Of course her motivation was gone. And it's no doubt she turned to the bottle just like everyone else in her position does 
because there is absolutely no support and no help for those suffering from military sexual trauma. I think I had better examples of leaders. I would, uh, I don't know, maybe I would have felt more comfortable saying something or like, you know, we can, we can like talk about like the, you know, if this, if that or whatever. But um, after that, like, I just realized how like the Marine Corps is not good to women. It's not like young women come to me uh, at, at school and they're like, oh, I'm thinking about joining the Marines. What do you think? And I'm like, Air Force is best. Or like, like the, or like, join the Coast Guard. Those guys are hardcore. Like, the Coast Guard's badass, and they like actually like, you know, defend America. I the thing with the Marine Corps is, is like, people don't like join the Marine Corps because like they want college benefits. People don't join the Marine Corps for, um, you know, uh, medical. People join the Marine Corps because they want to be Marines. So unless you know in your heart that that's what you are meant to do. Like I did, I knew it. I would not recommend it. If you're like, maybe I'll join the Marines. Like don't, don't fucking do it unless you know in your heart. And if you're a woman fucking think twice because every single female Marine that I know has been sexually assaulted. That's the environment. The environment is toxic masculinity and that's great for war fighters. That's great for war fighters. But like, not for people that are, that are, that are, it doesn't, it's, the Marine Corps is really good at programming. The military is really good at programming. The Marine Corps just happens to be the best. And like, it makes for very effective war fighters, but it makes for very sick people. So like rape isn't about sex. Rape is about power and it's about violence. It's not, you know, oh, I wanted to hook with, with her. no, 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 it's about domination right and that that is fueled by toxic masculinity in that environment and so having that power over another person and is the environment that we're in is like what creates that like that kind of like competitive dominating thing you know like expressing your your power and the violence that you have in your body over somebody that, that you can easily take that out on. And um, it's just, it's just highly encouraged in the military, I feel. So unless that that's, unless that whole culture is changing, it's not, it's not going to stop in the military. And even if the military comes out and it's like sexual assaults have gone down, it's not true. You need your war fighters to be fucking crazy. Unfortunately, I know a lot of men who are irritated by the phrase toxic masculinity. For some reason, they think it's synonymous with masculinity. This couldn't be further from the truth. I am all for expressing masculinity. But that can be done very well without sexually assaulting or even objectifying women. You can be the manliest of men. You could be the craziest of warfighters and yet still treat women with dignity and respect. Not just because they're women, but because they're human beings. Fortunately for Ash, she ended her military career on a high note, in a unit that gave her a little bit of that dignity and pride back.
I, I was really good at the aviation side and I really enjoyed it. Um, my last unit was the only unit that was, that I felt was really good to me. Um, but that was because it only had 10 enlisted Marines and like 20 pilots. And it was a very small, um, unit and we traveled all the time. So we had fun and we all hung out together and we liked each other. And I, I felt like that was the best unit that I could have ended off my career with because it gave me a little bit of like, I guess a little bit of pride. I, I'm definitely grateful. Like my last unit was a uh, VMFT 401 snipers and it's the only adversary squadron in the Marine Corps. So they fly red air and train with all different units, you know, Marines, Navy, Air Force, um, you know, green forces. Um, and we did a lot. We did a lot. We were really active and I felt really involved in that unit. And I, um, yeah, it, it was good. I felt like I was like doing my job and, and, and I, and I really liked that. Um, my commander even asked me, he's like, what could I do to, to get you to stay in, to reenlist? And I was like, I mean, I do another, I do another tour in this unit, but my, my replacement was already incoming. So it, like, it's too late. Yeah, it was too late. Um, Dang. But I was like, I'll take a letter of recommendation since you're about to put on 06. Um, (laughs) So it was it was good. I'm 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 grateful for that for that unit. Ash finished her five year contract and left the Marine Corps. She says she has lived a lot of micro lives since getting out. And her first was moving to Abu Dhabi with her husband at the time after he got a job working with the UAE. I wasn't working for pretty much a year after I got out and I hated that. You know, I went from like having a mission to having nothing. I had all these skills, all this training that I felt really valuable. And then it was like, you're a dependa. And it was just like, it was crushing. I was so depressed. Um, uh, until finally I, Uh, I started working for Raytheon in UAE. This started her next micro life, working on a cyber program, which led her to another job in Germany, working at the Joint Multinational Readiness Center, which led her to yet another job teaching at Fort Huachuca in the Army's all-source intelligence analyst course. She fell in love with teaching there and really got to share her experiences and help the next generation of Intel soldiers. But she started having many doubts and conflicting feelings about how the military and the United States was operating and conducting its wars around the globe. She knew she needed to get out and pursue another path. Growing up, she would go to the beach at least twice a week, and she felt like the ocean was calling her back. She also really loved watching Shark Week, And so she had the idea to pursue a degree in marine science. But first, she needed some money. And she got the opportunity to make quite a bit of it. The only catch is she'd have to move to Afghanistan. So I made the decision. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do, I'm going to contract in Afghanistan. There was a a teaching position that that became available to teach Afghan special forces how to do aviation-based intel in Afghanistan. For a year and they were going to pay like $186,000 for a year. And so I was like, this is my ticket. Like I'll go over there. 
I'll do this pump, this last thing. I'll get the money that I need. I'll pay off my debt and I'll fucking go back to school. And I'll just like, like I had my plan. I was set. And I, (laughs) it's hard when you don't believe in something to, to go into a war zone and get paid to to support it and i would forget about it like every two weeks when they'd pay us i'd be like man i fucking hate this i guess it's not that bad i can stay for a little longer and you know i just like was trying to like get that paycheck but meanwhile like you know we're taking indirect fire fucking you know ieds blowing up right outside my window because i'm right next to the fucking ied lane like like that sucks i hated that there were just in the time that I was there, there were multiple instances of Afghans killing Americans, like that we worked with, like trying to like hand them over their country back or whatever. Um, those instances happened multiple times while I was out there. And like the people that we worked with were just so sketchy and like they would pull us out whenever that would happen. Be like, okay, so there was a, a green on blue shooting. So um, somebody died and uh, we're just not going to work with our Afghans for a couple days and then we're going to go back to work. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> How is that solving anything? And like, I'm, I'm trying to, I tried, I was trying so hard to like do my job. I was like coming up with curriculum and like trying to work with these guys and train. But like when you have a vagina, nothing you say matters hmm. to Afghans. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like just like there's, they put on the face, you know, when the green suitors are around. Um, but it was like pulling teeth and I was trying, I was trying my best because like, I'm that person. Like I, even if, even if everything is like pushing against me, like I'm still going to fucking do my job and I'm going to do it well. Um, anyways, I did six months over there. Okay. And, um, they, I was in Mazari Sharif, which is in northern Afghanistan. It's like at the base of the Hindu Kush mountains, like almost Uzbekistan. Totally. And um, they told me, they called me after six months and they were like, hey, we're descoping your position in Afghanistan uh, in Mazar, but there's spaces in uh, Bagram and Kabul. And I was like, they're like, do you, do you want to take it? You know, we'll keep your paycheck, will be the same. Like, you know, retain you you'll be doing the same thing essentially mm-hmm. and um i i felt like like i knew immediately like this was the universe telling me now's your time to fucking jump like it's awesome and i i i thought about it overnight you know i i was like okay i just need to like meditate on this and um because i was just so unhappy i was like how much longer do I want to keep sacrificing my youth, my happiness, and my mental health for money? For money, exactly, yeah. Because this isn't everything. Mm-mm. And uh, I just started to realize, you know, with people like dying around me, that like, I I want to live a long life. Mm. I've got we we both know too many people that that have died too young. And, um, it's unfair. Totally. So I need to, I need to live. So I left. In May of 2019, she decided to pursue the dream 
of getting her degree in marine science. She found an awesome program at my alma mater, Cal Poly, and decided to move to the Central Coast. But everything that she had gone through in her military career and her contracting career after the military was starting to catch up with her. After I got back, I was like, I was in the worst like depression of my life. And like, I, I felt just spiraling, you know, I just like gone through a breakup with somebody after I just got back. And it was just like, I, I felt so alone in like all of this, uh, reverse culture shock of like, I don't know, going from like, like a heightened sense of just fear and to being in this place. And like, I I knew I was here to try and like work on my mental health, but um, it just felt like I was spiraling. Was it like kind of like the letdown of everything you had gone through for the last however long it had been? And I mean, had you, did you feel like you had worked um, through the things that you had gone through? Or was this kind of it just all coming out? It was like, it was like a combination of everything. It was like, like, I was so tired of living in a way that like, was just pushing everything down Hmm. and just suppressing all of it. And I was just like fucking done. I know I knew that I needed help, but I just like, I don't know. I I just wanted to die. Like Hmm. I just like, I just wanted I just wanted to be dead and um, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do. And um, I started seeing a counselor at the VA and um, anyway, she encouraged me to go to this veterans resource event. Yeah. Good and for going. I didn't want to, I didn't <laughs> want to. Cause like all I was like, I was in this period of like isolation at that point, yeah. you know, I, I think I spent like three days just laying in bed in my pajamas and just crying and I wasn't going to go, but I figured I figured that I should. This veteran resource fair is held every year at Cuesta Community College. Cuesta is a few miles up the Highway 1 from Cal Poly, and it's a popular feeder school for veterans and non-veterans alike looking to transfer to Cal Poly. It's the same path I took when I used my GI Bill. It's a crazy full circle story, but in 2015, I was asked if I would help pilot Operation Surf's new program, which is now called OS6. I recruited other veterans from Cuesta and Cal Poly to pilot the program with me. Nearly five years later, Operation Surf is still setting up booths at the Veteran Resource Fair, and thankfully, Ash found it. I don't know, so I went, and then uh, that's where I met Dan. He was at a booth. He was at a booth, and he was like, I was like, hey, I'm just looking for people to surf with. Like, I just got a surfboard and went to, and I'd really like to go out. And he's like, oh, well, this is a, this is a program. Like, like we're, we're looking for a six month commitment and we surf three times a week. And I was so emotional, like that. I just started like about to cry. And, uh, I knew that that was what I needed. And, uh, so I just said, yeah, I sent him, uh, I gave him my information. He sent me an email the next day. And, um, couple days later I was surfing. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to have you on, um, when I first heard your story, 
just because the, you know, I mean, I say in the intro, basically, you know, that Bombs and Barrels is a podcast that explores, you know, veterans and surfers who've been transformed through surfing in the ocean. And I mean, the person you are now from that moment of meeting Dan um, is just a completely different, you're not oh. even on the same universe, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you said, not even in the same universe because I, because I feel that like, like remember, I was just talking about like micro lives, right? They're, like this, since I started with Operation Surf and since I started surfing from that, that first time that I got in the water, I have started a new micro life and it really wasn't easy the first couple months, like those first, even, even gosh, it, it didn't really start to, it wasn't until around the beginning of the year, like the first couple months of the year that I was like, okay, like I, I've, I've, I struggled. Like there were, there were multiple instances where, you know, I, I was still like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to make it till tomorrow. And like, then I'd remember, oh, I have a commitment to serve tomorrow. I can't, you know, people are counting on me to be there. I made a commitment. And it, it literally saved me. And um, I just, I just, my, I started to fall more in love with the ocean. The more I practiced, the more I was able to do on a surfboard. And just like now, just to today, today, you know, like the more that I'm able to do in the water, and like the more like confident I'm able to feel. And like when I, when I can pull off something that I'm been practicing and practicing and practicing, I finally do it. I'm like, it makes me just fall in love with it even more. And um, Dan surfing with Dan in, in OS six and having all that, that, that instruction for six months, three times a week. Um, it, it really made me understand the ocean a lot more. And um, I'm, I'm still noticing how much my life is transforming because of it. Um, especially since we started surfing every day for a year. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Because um, when you posted that, I was like, "Dang, that is that's serious." <laughs> you know, surfing every single day. Um, you know, there's been plenty of days in my you know surfing life where you know you go out, conditions are just absolutely no go, or there's no waves, or you know whatever, or it's just you know you're just too much of a wuss that morning, and you can't get over the resistance to get in the water, and then you you know hate yourself for the rest of the day for not getting wet. Yeah. But um, yeah, I can't. That that is that is an amazing feat that you're taking on. How many days are you into this now? So um, I just did uh, day one fifty four. One fifty four. That's incredible. So you are um, getting close to halfway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How epic is that? I told you at the beginning of this thing that Ash Legion is a badass. And if you don't think she is yet, you will after this story. One day not long ago, I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed and come across a disgusting picture. Ash had been struck in the face by a surfboard like full-on bone coming out of the nose. It looked worse than a Conor McGregor high kick to the face. It's impressive enough that she tried to refuse to go to the hospital and that she wasn't completely KO'd. But what's even more impressive is she got back in the water and surfed the very next day. So basically we're out surfing at Avila with OS6 and um, 
one of the guys that we surf with, uh, you know, takes a wave. I'm going back out. He's coming in and he jumps off his board and it gets shot into my face. So I take the nose of his uh, 10 foot CJ Nelson. As it accelerates when he gets off. Oh, yeah. right and, to the, uh, right to the face as you're like paddling over the crest. Um, I'm like, I have my surfboard to the, to the left of me. And like, I'm like pushing it out. Cause it's like, it's, you know, fairly shallow or whatever. And I'm like pushing it out. And that's when it like comes at me as he's coming in. And, um, I just like immediately saw stars and like, uh. um, it, it was, you know, just like immediate shock. Like my mm-hmm. brain like was like, fuck that hurts. Okay. Mm. You're alive. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like, like, all right, you can feel it. So you're, you're still conscious. All right. All right. What's next. Okay. Stand up. Okay. All right. So like it was a, it was a checklist, you know, I got up and, you know, everything was spinning and you know, my, everybody around me just like reacted so well. They just like held on to me and like, okay, let's go inside. We need to get you to the hospital. I'm like, we're not going to the fucking hospital. I just need some pressure, you know? And they're like, no, you know, they're fighting with me. And I was like, I need to see it. Take a picture. Show me. <sighs> and so Dan's right there after I get out of the water and fucking takes that picture. And um, yeah. Open Dude, bones. it's gnarly. Like oh, if you yeah. check out that, that photo on Instagram, uh, the frothing Grom at the frothing Grom. Um, it's disgusting and disturbing. And the fact that you got back in the water the next day and continued this mission of a year of surfing every single day is so badass. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Open bone, nose fracture, five stitches, and pending facial reconstructive surgery. I actually have an appointment on the fifth. Really? <clears throat> I'm oh not getting the goodness. surgery, though. I'm going to wait. I'm going to kick that. If I, I need it, you know, I'll kick that can down the road until after I do a year surfing, uh, which will be May 1st next year. So it turns out Ash is an instructor at the Van Carraza Surf School and was scheduled to teach a lesson the very next day. Her manager tried to give her the day off, but she insisted on surfing and teaching the lesson anyway. What do you do when you fall off the horse? Oh, and it kicks you in the face? Well, if you're Ash, you get back on the horse. Her goal of surfing for a year still lives. And I basically just like took it easy for the first like week. You know, I had, I still had lessons every day. I still had like, like two lessons every day, essentially. I took my like couple of waves. And, you know, the obligatory waves, as Dan and I call them, on the days that are, like, you know, smaller, it sucks. Like, we just got to get out. We just got to go get our obligatory waves, like, to say we did it. Like, we just got to get out there. Even if it sucks, even if it's not going to be fun. But um, that's something that that has transformed me, for sure, is, is just, like, going out anyway, even if it is, even if it is bad, you know, like, or even if I am in pain, or even if, um. Like, even if I'm just really not feeling it or I don't want to. There are so many life lessons and metaphors we can take away from surfing. Perseverance and overcoming resistance are things that come to mind. We have every excuse in the book to not get in the water. It is the easiest decision to make to stay put and do nothing. But pushing through the hard stuff because you know it's beneficial to do so will always be rewarding. In 2019, Ash got the opportunity to be a participant in the week-long Operation Surf program after there was a last-minute cancellation. Her instructor was the amazing Alana Hendrickson, Maui local and older sister of pro surfer Tanner Hendrickson. 
Alana happened to be my instructor years ago as well. And she told me the same thing that she told Ash. And one of the things that she said that, that I, I still say to this day is like, you know, there's so many days where, you know, she doesn't go out and she wishes that she went out. Mm -hmm. But there's never a day that she goes out and thinks, man, I shouldn't have gone out. You know, she's always, it's always something that we're grateful for. Is, would you say that after you got your face bashed in too? Or was it, were you grateful yeah. you went out that day? <laughs> yeah. I That's mean, awesome. absolutely. Like I'm never, even if, even if it sucks, even if the waves are terrible, even if I get my ass kicked, even if I'm just like getting worked, like I get to be in the ocean today. I, and I'm, it's, it's healing. And this is the first time in my whole life where I've truly prioritized my mental health over, you know, it just, just prioritized it, you know, made it, made it something that's important, you know, prioritize time for fun, for ocean therapy, for exercise, for being outside and ocean worship. Like it's the best thing that I could have done for my life. And it's, it's, it's a whole transformation in itself. Like my surfing has gotten better. Um, I'm, I, I can be more intimate with the ocean and my, my relationship with it isn't conditional. It's not, you know, like, uh, Dan and I talk about it a lot. Um, like being like Laird Hamilton when he's talking about it. And I think it's like riding giants or something or chasing the average. I can't remember what, but he talks about basically getting depressed if the, if the waves aren't big. Sure. You know? And, and of course, of course we want it. Well, at least I like, I like to surf bigger waves. I like to like, if waves are, are overhead, I'm like just a kid in candy shop. I'm super <laughs> stoked. Um, but like, of course that's what we want, but you know, I get to be in the ocean today, so I'll make it work. You know, I'll go out and ride a longboard and, you know, or I'll ride whatever I need to. I'll ride, you know, ankle biters. It doesn't matter to me. Like yeah. I'm, it's not conditional. It's not conditional. And I can still get that healing energy out of the ocean, regardless of what it looks like. There is something extremely transformational that happens when you set out and do something every single day for a year. It's a habit that forms, it becomes ingrained into who you are, and becomes a part of your being. A year is a very long time and it allows you 365 opportunities to give up. But when you're done, you won't stop. It's nearly impossible to stop. I know this because I just recently completed a year of meditating every day. Sure, it's not as epic as surfing every day, but the effects have been profound, and it's a part of me now. I was introduced to meditation years ago as a therapy for alleviating symptoms of PTSD and anxiety. It didn't work. I couldn't do it. I didn't understand it and it was frustrating and I gave up. It wasn't until one day surfing out at the rock in Morro Bay that I found it. I caught a long right, the longest wave of my life to that point. I can still see a detailed image of that wave. I can smell the water. I can taste the salt on my lips. I can still see the seagulls flying by the rock. It was the first time 
I realized that while riding a wave, my brain was in a flow state or meditation state. Nothing in the past mattered and nothing in the future mattered either. I was weightless and pain-free. I was perfectly present in the moment. Oh, that's meditation, I thought. From that moment, I started meditating in hopes to synthesize that exact state my brain was in while I'm surfing. I'm not saying that meditation or surfing every day will work for you. But do something. Do something every single day for your mental health. People need to know that stuff. People know, need to know that like, when you prioritize time to be present, and to work on your mental health and to do something for your mental health every day, like it needs to be, it needs to be like brushing your teeth, you know, it needs to be like, 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 such like, like a daily thing that people do. And when, when you do that, it can affect your mindset so much and it makes us better for it. It makes us better for it and it makes us better at it. When you surf or do something every single day, you will get so much better at it. If you want to be good at something, you got to put in the time. Ash is putting in the time, and it's paying off. She's already an instructor with Van Carraza, and I know from experience he doesn't take jumps. I want to be good at it, Lynn. I want to be, like, like not only do I love it for all of the, like, it's so it's so healing on a mentally emotionally physically spiritual level um it's so healing on all of these levels but like i i get i love surfing like i i am obsessed i have the stoke bad (laughs) and i i want to be really good at it i feel like with the progression that i've had over the last you know 15 months that um that i've been surfing like i feel like i have the potential because I'm disciplined and because I I've had awesome people around me to, to help show me the way and help like, like mentors like Dan and Van and Smith and uh, these people that I, that I really look up to and am, and am inspired by their surfing, uh, you know, Richard Schmidt, like, and, and his kids and like, uh, gosh, there's so many people in my life that I, that I really look up to for their surfing and they, they take the time to help me. You know, like, oh, I noticed you're doing this, you know, try that. Yeah. Like, like that, just those things like those, or, or, you know, if you're Van Carraza screaming at, you know, <laughs> screaming from the shore, move your feet, you know, that's always, that's mentorship in Van's way. One of the things that I just love about, you know, your story is, you know, the trauma that, that you've gone through, you know, you're, you, you, if, you, if you, if you see all of your micro lives right on this, this arc, this plane, you know, it's like, You've been able to get through the darkest, you know, worst times and you've been able to like take the best parts of those worst times and apply them to what you do now and like your best times, you know what I mean? And so it's like your worst parts have become your best parts and it's just really, really awesome um, to see somebody who's gone from not getting out of bed, not wanting to be alive to being just the most stoked, optimistic, just killer shredder it's just awesome i feel like my my whole career of intel is teaching Hmm. it's it's collecting information presenting information and you know sharing it with people 
so like public speaking and, and teaching is is something that I the majority of my experience is in. Um, but this is the first time that I've like really truly just loved every second of it. Unless somebody has a shit kid, then <laughs> it's not fun. This has been uh, the best, the best of all my micro lives, the best one. And I'm living the best version of myself out of all of those and the strongest version of myself. And I, I, I want to live, I want to live a long and healthy life. And I want to do as much as I can with that. I want to educate myself. I want to educate other people. I want to be live compassionately and live with peace and and speak up for things that that can't speak up for themselves i get so motivated by these stories of transformation from darkness into the light and it all starts with a choice usually a really hard one that you just don't want to make because the reality is it's so much easier to choose to stay in the darkness It's so easy to stay depressed and in bed. It's so much easier to stay on the beach and not get in the water. But then you won't experience the fullness of life. You won't get to surf. Oh gosh, it's so easy to be depressed. It's so easy to just stay in that sick state, you know? Like, I love that you said, I love that you said, like, you know, if this isn't working for me, I'm trying something else, you know, like, not every session is going to be the best session ever. You know, I'm not going to always get out of the water feeling like a million dollars. Like, it, there, there's going to be times where, like, I, I need something else. And so I'll do that, you know, like, like, hiking is a great example, or I'll go and like, lay out on the beach and tan and just listen to waves. I, I write in my journal. And I, and I love, I, I've been writing in my journals since I was like nine years old. And that's really like a therapeutic tool in my toolbox. And, uh, fuck. <laughs> that, that's, that's the secret, man. Like just trying things. You just can't stop. You can't ever give up. Find something that works for you. Something that fills your soul with life, passion, and gratitude. We only get this one life, so make it count. It's a beautiful miracle we get to be a part of. We started surfing every day in May, and uh, 154 days ago. And that was probably the best decision I could have made for for my life at that time, and, and it still is to this day. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you have an awesome day filled with stoke. Get outside, get in the water if you can. Until next time, I'm your host, Lance Junker, and this has been another episode of Bombs and Barrels. If you like what you heard and feel like supporting, head on over to the website and click on Donate, or better yet, donate to one of the epic veteran organizations listed there as well. As always, there is some extra content on the website, social media links and links to awesome videos and pictures of guests like Ash Legion's unbelievably awesome transformed episode done by the WSL. So head on over, check that out. Intro music by my old friend Vince Chimo. 
and join us next time for an epic conversation with Big Wave Pro Sean Dollar. Oh, shit.